Hello and welcome everyone to another local charity spotlight. It's Brad Martin here from givebackhomes.ca and I couldn't be more excited to bring my next guest is Liz Sue from Niagara Regional Native Centre. We've had the pleasure of speaking a few times and I know how dedicated she is to her work and to our First Nations community and she's been an incredible resource and I know she will be going forward. So I think uh, Niagara uh, should all kind of hear her out and get a great message uh, from Liz Sue, and I'll just uh, bring her in now. Hey, Liz. Hey, good morning, Brad. Thanks good for morning. having me. Thanks so much for joining me. Uh, it's been really, really great uh, just making your acquaintance and your contact and uh, just getting to know a bit more about what you do and, and the uh, community that you represent, and you're just always kind so that helps too to just have someone a resource <laughs> another person to trust in your community is, is always fantastic uh little fact uh liz and i first connected on uh, a strange uh, mattress scenario where i had perfectly good brand new mattresses and i said you know these need to go to uh, to a great community and she was able to uh, make that happen uh when when some others were not and uh so happy that we were able to connect that yeah, that was actually pretty amazing. The family were so overwhelmed with, uh, with what they had received. So we matched that donation with some bed frames and some sheets and, and stuff that uh, they probably wouldn't have, have had otherwise. And um, yeah, they, they very much appreciated those donations. So thanks for that too, Brad. That's exactly what I was hoping for. And that's, that's great to hear. I am going to uh, just do my best to learn more about you and who you represent and uh, NRNC. So I'm gonna jump into some questions and let you take the floor on those. And that first one, I'm just uh, hoping for you to tell me a little bit more about yourself. Uh, how's your path led to your current role at Niagara Regional Native Center? And how has working for Niagara Regional Native Center impacted your life? All right, that's a loaded question. <laughs> So first I'm gonna start. Um, so usually when I start a meeting, I introduce myself. Um, while I don't know my language, I am Anishinaabe, which is Ojibwe. Uh, so I would start off by saying Ani Buju, which means hello. Uh, it's kind of just a greeting and a welcoming to uh, people that are watching. Um, so to talk about myself a little bit, in, in our community, we also, talk about our family because family first and foremost is, is what is important. And I'm the mom of three. So I have a 19 year old son named Sterling, a 17 year old daughter, Victoria, and I have a seven year old named Colton. Um, and it's been really actually kind of awesome being able to work from home. So uh, I know it's hard on people and people are feeling isolated, but for me, this is working because I get to spend more time with my family, but I have the flexibility to, uh, to go out into the community as well and uh, to see people in person, especially people who are struggling. Um, I guess, well, what led me to do what I do? So first of all, uh, my role at Niagara Regional Native Center is it's the Indigenous Healing and Wellness uh, Program Coordinator. And that program is uh, specific to um, uh, promoting wellness, wellness within the community. The large focus is on violence reduction. So with that, it, it's very broad. So it, 
it's kind of hard to explain what I do day to day because in my summary, I just get to really just see a lot of nice people. But with that, a lot of the people that I work with have interactions with child welfare, with the criminal justice system. Um, I'm trying to think what else, or, or I mean, really like with the mental health and, um, you know, and all of those things. So uh, what brought me here, Brad, to be honest, is intergenerational trauma. So I am um, the daughter of um, a survivor of residential school. Uh, my father had attended the um, Mohawk Institute in Brantford. Um, and unfortunately, with that, it, it brought, instead of bringing culture into our lives, it brought trauma, unfortunately. So we had a really rough um, beginning, I, I suppose, if, if that, it's, it's probably downplaying it, to be honest, but it formed my beliefs and my values. Um, and, and that brought me to a place where I wanted to do better and I wanted to, I guess, uh, help my community that is struggling. There's a lot of people that are struggling. You could see within the news reports and, um, and such like, you'll see a lot of stuff around missing and murdered indigenous women and girls and two spirit, two spirit meaning, um, like gay, lesbian, trans, uh, bisexual questioning. There's, there's so much terminology there. It's there's, I can hardly keep up with uh, the changing terminology, but uh, uh, I do, I, I work um, in the scope of human trafficking. So I support survivors, indigenous and non-indigenous. Uh, I work closely with the, it's called the Safer House. It's in uh, the Niagara region. It's a safe house for human trafficking survivors. Um, so sometimes it's just a friendly visit or they may want some traditional medicines. Um, I'm not sure if you're aware of what that is, like smudging and, um, tobacco, things like that. Traditional tobacco, not cigarettes. Um, uh, as well as, uh, I'm also a part of the Unity Team, which is a collaboration with Family and Children's Services. Uh, so I... I serve as an advocate for families. I go there uh, with uh, the child protection workers. I attend to meetings, uh, court uh, appearances, uh, sometimes apprehensions and things like that. But with the unity team, it's uh, comprised of, I think it's about 10, 10 people in total between the Fort Erie Native Friendship Center, Niagara Chapter of Native Women, Niagara Regional Native Center, which would be myself and one other coworker, and uh, as well as managers and uh, supervisors um, and child protection workers at FACS. We work together uh, to bring families back together. So as you know, um, maybe you don't know, um, the Indigenous community has the highest rate of children in care. So. When you, when you hear about residential schools, we actually have more children in care than we did in residential schools. So if that gives you some sort of sense of, of what has, has gone on, and it's due to those traumas that have been passed down, 
So that's why you see the overrepresentation within the uh, criminal justice system and child welfare. So I don't know if that gives you a little bit of an idea of, uh, of where, you know, what brought me there. But anyway, overall, it's really, I just, I want to lift people up because there's so much potential there that is unseen by the community. And if I can help even just one person, then that's what I'm going to do. You've obviously been impacted by the community and seeing their spirit and, and what's in them and what they can provide after some healing or safe place and shelter. Obviously you've seen some people do some, some really amazing things and just shared stories with you that have probably pushed you further and further, is that right? Absolutely. I, uh, you know, I have friends within the community that I, I didn't think that I would ever have. So growing up, I did not grow up in the community. I grew up in, in Niagara, in a, a predominantly uh, non-Indigenous community. And, um, you know, we were actually the only um, people of colour within our, um, our neighbourhood. So, it like honestly I, I wasn't a part of that community because we had left that um scenario uh you know fairly early on around five years old for myself um but uh when i when i re-engaged i was probably about 20 or 21 so we're going back a few years and i'm not going to tell you how long that's been because that would give you my uh you know my age so um but yeah like when i went back to the community I, I just honestly, I, I couldn't get enough. The energy and uh, just learning about uh, culture and especially like when we go to youth and elder uh, conferences, they speak a lot about uh, a good mind um, or an Anishinaabe, we call it Mino Bibmatsuin, which means living in a good way. So I use that a lot. Um, if you ever see any of my posts and that's on there, that's what it means. Living a good life, living in a good way. And it's just, you know, really, I think that's what everybody wants to achieve in life. Right. Yeah. No, I love that. And, and, you know, it's so important to find a way to bring in what's impacted you most and that, that positivity and, and to find a way to, to bring that in and to share that is what you're doing. So that's really, really great. Uh, I'm just going to ask you now if you can tell me a little bit more about the center itself, uh, itself about Niagara Regional Native Center and what population does it serve? Okay, uh, so Niagara Regional Native Centre, it uh, was founded in 1974, uh, which is actually a short time after that Mohawk Institute had closed, which was 1970. There was a, a group of um, community members that came together and decided that they needed a social place to gather and to support each other. So that grew and grew and grew, and here we are, fast forward, 2021. Um, I actually am really bad at numbers. We do have a significant amount of programs. Uh, so literally from cradle to grave, like prenatal, healthy babies programs, um, my program, we have youth programs, summer camps. Um, we have a really cool program. It's called the Homeward Bound program as well. And that program, uh, they choose um, women who are ready to um, to move forward in education. So they support with housing, education, um, and, and it's typically for single mothers who have children, obviously. <laughs> yes, that would make sense, sorry. 
um, and if they're they're ready for college or university. So whether they're status or not status, so the, the center will help with that education piece, uh, with tuition, housing costs, and all of that stuff, and, and at times furnishings as well. And uh, just support them to go right through uh, and to achieve their goals. And, um, you know, that way that there's nothing that's in their way to, to achieve that. So um, that's just one of them. We do have lifelong care programs that work with our elders. Um, we, it's not specific to Indigenous people. We do service non-Indigenous people as well. Um, but typically it's majority is indigenous populations, but yeah. It just sounds like you're listening to the truest need there and you're paying attention to it and responding like a program like that for single mothers. I can't imagine what that, that means to them that, that, uh, they don't have to give up on, on their aspirations and they can and they can have that backbone and have some financial support. That's amazing. I, I, that's just uh, news to me and yeah, really, really good news to me to hear that that's going on. Um, just gonna ask you now, uh, it is a very necessary question, is how Niagara Regional Native Center is funded, uh, where would donations go from our community and what are some ways that Niagara residents can help with or without a monetary donation, whether that be frame of mind or something like that as well? Yeah, so um, we're provincially funded. So all of our programs are government funded. Uh, so each and every one of us, we have a, a I, I don't even wanna say a fair size budget. They're, they're okay budgets. So that way we can have some programming and uh, support with, um, things like groceries or uh, for instance, like if we have a family that's having a baby and they can't afford, you know, the necessities, cribs, car seats, all that stuff. So um, within our budgets, we do help with those things. Um, a lot of times we do get donations um, of those items as well. Um, physical uh, donations, as you know, it's hard because we don't have anywhere to store those items. So I, when people offer me things, I, I actually, I feel bad when I can't take them because it's, I just don't have anywhere to put the stuff and I wanna ensure that um, if somebody were to offer a donation, say a couch or something, that I have somewhere for it to go immediately. And um, there's a lot of transience and um, a lot of movement uh, as far as housing, um, mostly due to the cost of living right now it's almost impossible to to house people so um it's it's also hard to provide those donations when people aren't stable and aren't able to stay in one place because those things get left behind all the time um as, as far as um i think supporting uh the community it's really uh, i think just paying attention uh, paying attention to what's happening in the news and understanding why people are struggling the way that they're struggling. I, I know in the past, like I've had conversations like where it'd be like, just get over it. It's, it's in the past. Those things are in the past, but they're really not. I mean, it's not far off from what has happened. And I mean, even with the child welfare system, like 
our community is still very much struggling. We have a lot of people who are, are doing amazing things. Um, I have um, a significant amount of friends who have gone into, um, you know, how do I put it? Uh, like professions, like they're professionals, like lawyers, uh, justice of the peace, social workers, like, you know, and that's amazing because the community very much is growing in a positive direction, but there's still those people that are, they're not quite there yet. And, you know, those are the people that need the most compassion from the community. So as far as helping, it's just listen listen to what has gone on and understand why they're just not there yet and they're not ready to move forward and you know that our community is here to build them up and that's that's what we do yeah no that's great i i think that maybe you'll agree with me here i know more than ever kids are on screens and that can be a challenge but i will say there's real real promise in our youth in terms of what they find to be acceptable, what they find to be equal treatment, uh, what they find to be fair treatment, and um, they care about where their, their things are from, and they care about how they got there. And uh, so that excites me about our youth. The screen time doesn't, but that part of it really <laughs> excites me. I, hopefully, hopefully you're seeing some of that uh, in, in everything that you do in, in our youth and hopefully you're seeing some of what I'm seeing and, and there is some promise there and it does make you feel hopeful. Yes, absolutely. And, you know, Niagara, we have some amazing youth. Uh, we do have a youth group as well. And those youth are, they're being uh, challenged to be leaders in the community and to do, uh, do things a little bit differently. And as leaders, they're making decisions for other youth within the community and bringing them on board as well. So it's, it's, it's really amazing to see, especially the culture pieces. There are, you know, I would say with COVID, it's very difficult to give you a number, but there's a, there's a good amount of youth that are um, learning their languages. They're learning their dances. They're learning things that they, they should have learned, especially around the traditional teachings, which is going to guide them to living in a better way. Uh, it's really amazing. And I hope that at some point when things open up that you can come out and see for yourself, just the energy that it's, it's indescribable, to be honest, the energy of the community when we gather together, there's so much love there. I can't even tell you how much I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, yeah. And I just, I love the, the message you mentioned even earlier and just, um, of good mind and doing things of good mind and, and, and being aware of that. And, you know, if any traditions are, are bringing you, if that's the end goal or that's the trajectory that you're, you're on, then I think that that is a great place to be. Um, and whatever you can pass on to somebody to, to keep them of sound mind, of positive mind, uh, it's, you're never wasting your time. It's always, uh, it's always meaningful. Uh, thank you for that. I am going to just ask you, uh, I like to throw in a challenging question. Now <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I do want to, um, to honor the, uh, the 215 Indigenous lives uh, here. Uh, I have just a, a graphic image on the t-shirt. Um, I, like so many in Canada, uh, um, 
just deeply saddened of the news um, and even more saddened thinking of the news coming. And uh, I just want to get into some assumptions that are made about um, Indigenous culture, about NRNC, um, or the population that it serves that you might be able to dispel or clarify. And if you can shed light on, on maybe some uh, mental framework that, that we can all carry forward uh, after hearing the news of the, of the 215 lives, um, that would be amazing. Oh, that's Hopefully actually, I haven't asked you too uh, much. Yeah. <laughs> wow. <laughs> That's uh, kind of a difficult question to answer. I'm not really sure what uh, what way that you want me to take that. And um, you know, as far as dispelling, um, do you mean? Um, sorry. No, that's quite a. Kind of lost for words. Yeah. No, yeah, I think um, rightfully so. And no, when I talk about dispelling or clarifying, maybe um, backwards views, uh, not necessarily negative comments or slurs because those are never there's never a, a good place in time and there, that should never happen but i just mean uh, maybe we think maybe people think that uh things have progressed further than they have maybe that maybe we um yeah we need to kind of just have some clarity on where we're really at and um how the, the uh, Indigenous community is, is feeling towards uh, the rest of Canada and if they're feeling, uh, if you can answer about the, the reception there and how they're received. I think the perception is poor, to be honest, of, of our community. And um, I mean, while the derogatory comments, they, they really do highlight how people are feeling about our communities where you'll hear those slurs around drunken indians and lazy welfare um you know uh it, it's it's uh it's unfortunate that uh that that's that's the viewpoint because again it, it comes back to understanding how things have come about and um it's it's damaging to these these young people that are they're growing up and and my own kids to be honest and um to hear things like that about um about how people feel about indigenous people and you know i've had many conversations with my my um with my kids and just really uh letting them know where that comes from and um how wrong it is and that they shouldn't have to feel that way and that they're going to do amazing things as they grow and uh, I have good kids and you know I mean there's so many good kids out there and you know again it goes back to that we have some community members that just aren't ready to heal yet their trauma is so deep and and deeply felt and you know when you see somebody on the street they're not there because they want to be there. Women are not in the sex trade because they want to be in the sex trade. They're there because of trauma. When you see an addict, whether they're Indigenous or non-Indigenous, I, I refer to that as walking trauma because that is not what they wanted for their lives. Unfortunately, trauma can affect people in such a bad way that they just can't 
pick themselves up out of there. And, um, you know, it's, it's important that people like you and, and myself, that we're out there and we're advocating for people and, and dispelling those, those derogatory comments and, and eliminating that racism that is so profound um, throughout North America. And, I, and I'm sure it's, it's across the world and, and other Indigenous communities as well, but. No, thanks for that. And uh, I, I couldn't agree more. I, I really mean, um, just seeing somebody that, you know, really, really taking a moment to think about their background and what got them to that point before passing judgment is, is a tough thing to do in the moment, but it's an incredible practice and it will make you richer in the long run. Um, the other thing I wanted to touch on, and maybe this is just out of personal understanding, maybe it's selfishness. Um, how can I, how can we honor the 215 going forward a little bit more? I, I, I just want that to be um, maybe even my own personal radar. Sorry if that's a selfish one. No, it's not selfish. I think that it's important for everyone to understand um, history, uh, true history, and to create those conversations as they come naturally. Um, you know, the news, it's, we're looking at, the numbers are rising. So there, I believe that there's been more discoveries uh, in, in the West. And now we're looking at um, the one more close to us uh, in Brantford. So I, it's called the Woodland Cultural Center now, but it used to be the Mohawk Institute. Um, but having those conversations and, and honoring those children that, that didn't make it home. Um, but it's not only those children because you have survivors who really have never made it home. They still struggle with, with the things that had gone on in those schools. And, and that's, you know, really, I think that would be the, the most honorable thing would be to understand and to have those conversations with other people to ensure that they too understand. Yeah. Just to uh, bring in some some optimism, I'll just let you know, it was a real moment for me in talking to my 12-year-old nephew, who all of this was on his radar. And uh, I don't want to get emotional here. <laughs> and it's not kudos to him, it's just that, like I said, like we talked about earlier, our, our youth today, um, they want to know. Uh, they they want to know exactly what's in front of them. They want to know what's behind them and what got people to the point they're at today. And um, the fact that he knows at 12 and it took quite a bit of education and schooling and professional development as a teacher at the time for me to be hearing about that at maybe 27 or 28 years old. If we can have our, our 10 year olds or, or whoever's ready to kind of hear, you know, it's a violent nature, um, but who's ready to hear that? If we can have them hear that and understand that and understand the history, I think is so, so important and uh, it's needed. I agree. And education has come a long way since um, you and I were in in uh, grade school and I the, the conversations I'm having with friends and they're like my child's learning about this and this and you know it's and they're so excited to learn about it and I it just it melts my heart because it's like finally 
we're getting to a place where people are going to learn. When we went to school, I learned about longhouses and igloos. Mm -hmm. And that was it. And really, there was no foundation around it. It was just that these these Indians live in longhouses. And, you know, I'm like, wow, wow, I didn't know that, you know, so it's, um, you know, even for me, right, it took yeah. that long into my early 20s to learn about yeah. you know, our own history, um, and not even recognizing residential schools as, as a child, I had no idea. I had no idea that that had happened. Uh, that my family members were in residential schools like it, it just blew my mind I, I couldn't believe it well I hope they stay on board I hope that becomes a, a regular and permanent part of, of our uh, curriculum and we don't need to just have art class that's how I experienced it it was once in a while we had art class to represent our indigenous cultures and um, it can be a lot more present than, than just art class at the end of the day so that's my hope for, for what comes in uh, going forward. Okay, and I'm just gonna jump into my last question for you are, what are some current initiatives of Niagara Regional Native Center and what are some future goals for when things go back to normal, so to speak, and, and we're, we're in the clear? Yeah, current initiatives. Uh, so right now, uh, kind of, we're, we're having a hard time with COVID, so, we aren't able to really do uh, things as per normal. So a lot of the things that we're doing are virtual like this. And um, so bringing language is one of the, the major um, areas that uh, we're focusing on. So currently we have a Cree language class and just it's so important and I've heard it over and over again, while I don't know my language, um, they say that's what brings you back. So learning your language brings you back to who you are. So that is, that's one of my personal goals is to learn some language and uh, aside from greetings and, you know, being able to say hello and goodbye and, and those things. So, um, as well, again, we talked about the Homeward Bound program. So that is, that's a huge program that's happening there. Uh, the Family Reunification Program with FACS, that, that will, that covers so much because when we look at our youth that are aging out of care, they are going into very vulnerable situations where, um, They've been traumatized by the system. So those are the kids that you're seeing going into human trafficking. Those are the kids that you're seeing um, go missing. Those are our missing. Those are our murdered uh, women, girls, boys, uh, trans. Um, so it's important for us to do the work now to prevent those things in the future, um, as well as supporting people who are there now. Um, when, when this is all done, as far as COVID, uh, we're hoping that this October we can have a powwow, which is so important to this community, um, to gather in person, to hear those drums, um, and, you know, no matter where you're at in life, it is so healing to be near a drum and to hear that 
Uh, the drum is referred to as the heartbeat of Mother Earth. Uh, the Earth is referred to as our mother. And um, that's, that's really um, what we want is to just be able to gather in person to, it, it's hard right now. And it, you know, I have been going out uh, from the beginning of the pandemic until now as if somebody is in a vulnerable state, I'm there because it's important to be present in person uh, with people. Liz, I, I really appreciate you uh, drawing on that illusion of the drum and the heartbeat. And um, I really see you as, as that for this community, as, as the heartbeat and uh, all you're doing. It's um, impressive as it, as it is needed. And um, we would all be better uh, having some more Liz Sue's around. <laughs> we'll just have to copy <laughs> cat you here and there. Um, thank you so, so much for taking the time for telling us a little bit more. Um, I don't know if I'm invited, but if that powwow happens, I would love to, uh, to bear witness oh. and to just be a fly on the wall and or to join as much as I can one day. And uh, hopefully by then you're, you're, you've got a little bit more language under your belt and you can, you can share that too. I'll work on it. <laughs> yeah, but uh, thanks so, so much for taking the time. I hope to connect again soon. And I wish the very best for the program for you and your family as well. And uh, we'll talk soon. Awesome, miigwech Brad and everyone for watching. I appreciate it very much. And uh, we'll connect soon. Bye. All the best.